Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, I remember when um, we first started our church, you know, we opened our church in January of 1979 on Kiwani. That was a long time ago, right? And uh, we had a guest speaker, the very, it was the first week, or it might have been the second or third week we were there. His, his name is Cecil Janway. He's gone on to be with the Lord, Pentecost, one of the Pentecostal pioneers of this region. He started one of the first Pentecostal churches around here, the De Solomon's Assembly of God. And um, he preached for us on that, in our Sunday service. And I remember him telling me, you know, I'm just starting out 26 years old. He's at the end of his life and end of his ministry. And he's given me a little advice as a man of God that Sunday morning. He told me in the back room, he said, remember, the best part of your sermon every week is going to be the part you read out of your Bible. <laughs> that's what he told me. So I remember that. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're just going to read the Bible and let God speak. Because he's speaking, right? He's always speaking. Can you hear tonight? Can, do you have your ears on? Let him speak to you. This is Luke chapter 2. This is um, Linus's favorite passage of Scripture. If you're familiar with the Peanuts movie, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Luke was very specific about what he was writing here. Very distinct, very specific, very intentional. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Now if you've got ears to hear, you can see in these three short verses... The sovereignty of God. God ordered the steps of Mary and Joseph. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, and he was born in Bethlehem on purpose. Augustus didn't have any other choice. He had to do what he had to do because he was being instructed and guided. He thought he was in charge, but there was someone else guiding the Caesar's hands. Just like today, the kings of the earth think they're in charge, but there's somebody pulling the strings behind the scenes. Everyone say the sovereignty of God. So it goes on, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, this is another amazing thing that happened here. Joseph was of the house of David. If you look at the lineage in Luke and also the lineage in Matthew, Mary was also from the lineage of David. They were both from the lineage of David. Joseph was the supposed father, even though he wasn't the biological father, he acted as the father of this Jesus of Nazareth. But he was specifically, and it says in the scripture, God said in the scripture that he was from the house in the lineage of David. He was the fulfillment of Bible prophecy given some thousand years before that, that a son of David would reign on the throne in Jerusalem for how long? Forever, forever and ever and ever. He hasn't finished yet. As a matter of fact, he hasn't taken his throne in Jerusalem. That's one of the next things that's going to happen. He's coming. 
Somebody say he's coming. He's coming back. And he's going to rule in Jerusalem. So it was while they were, they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, those words are written there on purpose. He came to his own, John said, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. There was no room for the king. There was no room for the creator of all things. The one who formed everything, the one that formed you in your mother's womb, the one that formed Mary in her mother's womb, and Joseph in his mother's womb, and Herod in his mother's womb. This one was born in Bethlehem, and there was no room for him in the inn. So he was born in an animal's feeding trough. Who would think of a story like this? You can't make stories like this up. This is God-inspired. This is the plan of God. So now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields. Those of you who've heard me preach about this know these weren't any ordinary shepherds. These were specific shepherds that were raising specific sheep. Somebody had to do the job. There were thousands of sheep offered as sacrifice in the temple There were sacrificial lambs day after day after day, thousands and hundreds of thousands. They came from somewhere. There were these temple shepherds that were appointed by the the Levites, by the Jews, by the priesthood to raise these sheep for a purpose, to be lambs for the slaughter. That's who these shepherds were outside of Bethlehem at at the tower of of. Uh, uh, Midgar Eder at the tower of the, of the flock. These were temple sheep raising these, these sheep. And they were there that night, just like they had done probably for hundreds of years. Their ancestors had done this, and their ancestors had done this. And here they were another night watching the sheep. But this was not just any ordinary night. This was the night of nights. This was the night that divides history, B.C. and A.D., the night that Christ was born. And they were in the same country, shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. I wonder what he looked like. I wonder how awesome he was. I wonder how terrified they were. This was most likely Gabriel who told Mary, I am Gabriel and I come from the presence of the Lord. He carried something because he lived in something since the day he was created. That's all Gabriel ever knew was the glory of God. That's where he lived. That's what he knew. And everywhere he went, he carried it with him. So here he came this night on appointments. And he said, the angel said to them, do not be afraid he must have, they must have been afraid because he said, don't be afraid. Well, what they were afraid of, they're afraid of him. That's what they're afraid of because he was terrifying. He was majestic. He was powerful. He was clothed in light. There was power shooting out of him, filling the countryside with the glory of God. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David. This is a shocking word. This is, there's born for you today in the city of David a Savior. He's the Savior. Jesus is the Savior for my sins. He's a different kind of Savior than the Jews were hoping for. They were looking for a, a political Savior that would save them from the Romans' armies. But this was a Savior that came to save us from our sins. Our sins were not only on us, they were in us. They were controlling us. They were driving us. We were ensnared by these sins until he came. Not only did he die to wash away our sins, but he came to live in our heart to deliver us from the power of sin. Jesus came to be the savior of mankind. Yeah. I told you I wasn't going to preach, but I'm preaching anyway. But there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ, who's the Messiah. He's, what, what a mouthful this angel had to deliver. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah you've been waiting for for thousands of years. This is the one, the Messiah that Moses prophesied about. This is him. He's a Savior. He's the Messiah, and he is the Lord. He is God himself in the form of a man. What a mouthful. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, Son of God and Savior. Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God and Savior. That's who he is. And that's what the angel announced. And then he said, this will be the sign to you. This is how you'll know my words are true, if you doubt my words. He knew that people had a tendency to to doubt his words because he had appeared, if you remember, 33 years before. No, it wasn't. There's one year before. I'm sorry. One year before he had appeared. One year before he had appeared to Zechariah when he was in the temple. And Zechariah didn't believe him, right? And what happened? He was dumb and for, for nine months. So here he says, so, so that you know that what I'm telling you is true. This will be a sign, shepherds. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, clothes they wrap these temple sheep with, lambs to be led to the slaughter, and an animal's feeding trough. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And no sooner did he get those words out, the heaven broke out. The veil was taken away. The veil that Jesus is going to roll back when he comes for a moment, it was pierced. The veil was pierced and suddenly all around them there was a host, a multitude of the heavenly army, it says in one translation. The host, the army of God, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest, good, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Those angels, oh yeah, they're they're, they're, they're never silent. They're always singing. We just aren't, we're not tuned into their frequency. From time to time, there'll be holes punched in this veil that separates this creation from the outside, the place where God lives. Holes are punched and suddenly we become aware of the other sides. 
His presence comes upon you and you suddenly become aware of the other side that's more real than this side. This side is temporary. That side is eternal. So when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go now to Bethlehem and see this word that has come to pass. Pastor Chris pointed this out to me the other day. He says, see this rhema that has come to pass, this word from the Lord which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. I wonder what it means to come with haste. Do you think it was a casual stroll from Migdal Eder to Bethlehem? I think it's about a half mile or so. I bet, some, I bet some world records were set, don't you? They probably ran as fast as their legs could carry them to see if these words were true. They came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they'd seen him, they made widely known this saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. You know, one of the things I want to know about, it's probably pretty obvious. We know Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. And many of you know who Luke is. Maybe you don't know who Luke is. Luke was Paul's disciple. He was a Gentile. He's really one of the only Gentiles that wrote any part of the Bible was Luke. He was a doctor. And um, this was probably, it was probably written 30 years after the death of Christ, so some 60 years after the event took place. He interviewed somebody. If one of the shepherds might have been old, who knows? Or was it Mary? He interviewed somebody that told this story about that night of nights. It was first eyewitnesses accounts, and he wrote it down when he was in Jerusalem. So we could read about it today. But I don't know about you. I I believe this story. How about you? So we're going to stand right now. We're going to take communion today. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information. 